All right, so Caitlin. Yeah. I have a deal for you. Okay. I am prepared to give you twenty dollars. Sweet. Right now, or twenty-five dollars in one week. So I can take the twenty now, put it in my pocket, or wait a week and get five extra dollars out of you. Exactly, twenty-five dollars. Well, you know, it's Friday. I'm planning on going having some drinks later. I, I'm going to take the twenty now. All right, here you go. All right, there you go. Now, Jess, how about you? Same deal. Twenty now or twenty-five next Friday? Okay. So I get five extra dollars next week by just holding out for for a week. I could buy an extra, oh no, an extra drink next Friday. Yeah. That sounds pretty good. Like Caitlin, I don't quite understand <laughs> how you would give up five dollars. I don't know. It's worth more to me to have the money today than to wait for it. All right. So the reason that you guys have both had different answers to this question comes down to this term that we're going to be talking about today on the show, the discount rate, which is essentially the rate at which you value money today over money in the future. And Caitlin, I have to say, don't ever go work on Wall Street because you. That's, <laughs> that's, yeah. I was prepared to give you a 25% rate of return for a, a week. I don't think you're going to find that anywhere else. That was a pretty good deal. But, but that's fine. That's this, fine. This may explain why whenever I have cash in my pocket, I just have the urge to spend it. I can't help it. It's just the way I am. I just, you know, bird in the hand. I want it now. Right. And just, I'm assuming you're not that way? I'm, I'm kind of a saver. I squirrel it away. I guess I can't help it. Right. And, and and this is the power of this discount rate. Each of us have our own rate. I'm more on Caitlin's side of things, actually. For me, it's, you know, sort of money right now has a much higher value than money in the future. But each of us has our own internal rate. And, and it sort of determines all these things about us, how much debt we're in, how much money we've saved, how prepared we are for disaster. The discount rate, it is this incredibly important number. Most of us never think about but it is so important, in fact, that it is not a stretch to say, as we're going to discover later on the program, the fate of the world actually depends on it. Hello and welcome to Planet Money. Today is Friday, July 20th. And today on the program, this little number, the discount rate, and the role it plays in almost everything we do. We'll be playing a conversation our colleague Adam Davidson had with Frank Partnoy. Partnoy is a professor of law and finance at the University of San Diego. He used to be a trader on Wall Street, and he's written some of the smartest books on the financial crisis, how to think about it, how things actually work on Wall Street, and what that means for policy and regulation. And he has this new book. It's a bit of a departure from his other books. It's called Wait, the Art and Science of Delay. And it's this financially intelligent meditation on procrastination, waiting, and on the discount rate, which, Partnoy says, motivates us in ways we don't even recognize. You don't think about using a discount rate and making an exact calculation, but inside your body and inside your brain, you are hardwired to implicitly use a kind of discount rate in making these trade-offs between your future cash and your expenditure today. And mine might be different than yours, and your, and probably when <laughs> I'm, I'm revealing too much, but when mm -hmm. husbands and wives have slightly different discount rates, it probably causes a lot of marital conflict. It's okay. It's a, yeah. You should go with the lower one. If yeah. your wife is lower, go <laughs> yeah. with hers. But we all have very different discount rates. And, and just to be clear, when we talk about a person's discount rate, what we mean, the higher it is, 
the more they value now over tomorrow or over a year from now. Exactly right. Economists call it present bias, but it means that we're more impatient, that we really want something now if we have a higher discount rate. Right. And you can think of it just in, you know, you see that chocolate cake. You want to be skinny when you go to the, your cousin's wedding six months from now, but that chocolate cake is sitting right there. It's And the higher so the delicious. discount rate, the yeah. more chocolate cake you're going to eat. Right. Economists have tried to measure our discount rates over the last three decades. And what they found was that people's discount rates are much, much higher for the very short term than they are for the long term. So if you're asking someone a question about one month, for example, would you rather have $50 today or $100 in one month? A lot of people will will take the $50. They'll have very high short-term discount rates. But if you ask them a similar question, would you rather have $50 in 12 months or $100 in 13 months? It's the same length of time. It's one month. It's the same dollar amount, 50 versus 100. But people say, "Eh, if I'm going to wait 12 months, 13 months, I'll wait the extra month to get an extra $50. So people have more impatience in a one-month time period than they do in a one-year time period, which means that they have higher short-term discount rates and lower long-term discount rates. In, in thinking about your book, I, I, I used to live in Los Angeles, and, and I remember talking to this guy with the Army uh, Corps of Engineers LA Department. And he told me this shocking thing. I was doing research for a different story, but he told me this shocking thing that, and I'm going to get the exact numbers wrong, but that the Army Corps believes that there is something like a 500-year flood possibility that will completely destroy much of Los Angeles. And to ameliorate that possibility, uh, it would cost several trillion dollars. And so they've made the determination, it doesn't make sense to do anything. We're just going to leave it be. Now, this conversation happened long before Katrina. The whole idea of floods destroying cities seems sort of abstract. But I've thought about that a lot because... um, you know, first off, a 500-year flood just means there's a 1 in 500 chance every single year. It doesn't mean that we know for sure it won't happen for 500 years. And they had to make a decision. We can't eliminate every risk. We have to look at the the probability of all sorts of risks, and we have to decide which ones are we going to do something about and which ones are we not going to do something about. Yes, that's right. Uh, The discount rate is what tells us about the relationship between a future cost and a present cost. So we have to compare apples and oranges if we're on the Army Corps of Engineers staff and we're trying to figure out how much money we should spend to try to prevent this future catastrophe. So we have to translate this potential future cost into today's dollars. Because what they're doing, we assume, uh, we hope, is they're rationally taking – there's a bunch of problems all over the country that they can deal with. There's earthquake risk, flooding risk, blah, blah, blah. And so maybe L.A. has a trillion-dollar, 500-year problem. New Orleans obviously has – I'm just making numbers up – a billion-dollar, 10-year problem. And so they – we need – we want – one number. What What is the cost today for each of these different ameliorations? So that they can compare them so they can make it apples to apples. And these numbers might seem like pie in the sky, but this is exactly the sort of number people are throwing out there when they talk about the potential cost of climate change. They're talking about maybe a potential $100 trillion cost 
in 500 years. So what is that of worth something in today's severely dollar? damaging to our environment, like you, the, the worst case scenario kind e- of thing. E- exactly right. Exactly right. What is $100 trillion 500 to, years from it's now? It's hard to contemplate what that might be, but let's just, let's just say that And just that for context, care. let's just, you know, the entire U.S. economy, meaning every dollar spent on every final good all over the country, all the lunches you've bought, all the airplanes that American Airlines bought from Boeing, all the money, all the salaries everyone received, that adds up to $14 trillion. Yeah, So one-seventh of that amount. So we're yeah. talking about very large numbers. Yeah. But if we treat future generations the same way we treat today's generation, so that we care just as much about a cost in 500 years that we care about a cost today, then we would say we'll spend $100 trillion, right? We would spend easily hundreds of billions of dollars to prevent this catastrophe. But what economists try to do is they try to use the discount rate to adjust that future amount to what it should be worth today dollars to dollars. And interestingly, the government actually specifies numbers for certain projects. So the Army Corps of Engineers project you described before likely would be governed by the Office of Management and Budget's assumption about what discount rate you should use. And they actually use a number, 7%. Seven, so, and let me just make sure I understand that. So $100 today, if there's a 7% discount rate, that means that's worth $107 next year. It's Compounded, so it would be a hundred. Is it so? Two years from That's now, right. it'd be so one hundred and fourteen and change, and then it would keep growing exponentially year after year. But seven percent per year, they say, is the right number, and that's based on an historical estimate. And it no longer holds the actual government borrowing rate today. Isn't anything close to seven percent? It's like zero percent. Like zero percent in the short term, and just a couple of percent in the longer term. But nevertheless, the the number in the book, if you pulled out the book for discounting a public project, they would tell you use 7%. So using 7%, have you done the math like 100 trillion, 500 Let me do it in my head very quickly here. (laughs) But but actually, if you do the math using 7%, a $100 trillion cost in 500 years is about 20 cents. So if you're thinking about how much we should spend today to prevent this catastrophe 500 years in the future, I'll give you a quarter and you can keep the change. You can prevent the catastrophe. The trade-off is astonishingly small because the discounting at 7% is every year piling up on itself, making a $100 trillion loss in the future not really look like it means that much today. Wait, so if I could get a bank to guarantee me 7% a year in perpetuity and I gave them 20 cents today, and so every year they gave me 7% compounded in 500 years, that would be worth $100 trillion. You'd be exactly covered. So if you put a quarter away, you'd have lots and lots left over in order to cover this catastrophe and pay for lots of other things. So wait, why are we arguing about climate change? Why don't I just give a buck to whoever we need to give a buck to and work, <laughs> you know, and we'll pay for four climate changes, that's five key. climate that's changes. That's why discount rates are so important, right? So if the discount rate is 0%, we but can't wait, possibly wait, wait. afford it. So wait, wait, seven percent. We can easily afford it. Well, zero percent to seven percent, which sounds like a very small change, small difference. I mean, although of course, you know, I'd, I'd kill for a three percent or two percent interest rate at the bank. So I know, but um, so zero percent would mean I get no interest. I get no. So everything I put away today is exactly how much I have uh, five hundred years from now. Seven percent means twenty cents becomes a hundred trillion dollars. It's hard to believe. But um, if we live, you know, if we worked 500 years and then lived 700 years or something, retirement would be a lot easier if we had a 7%. So so the issue, though, is 
There is no bank that's offering 7% guaranteed for five. 7% right, that's the is problem. clearly the wrong number, right? So as a policy matter, the first thing we need to do is fix that 7% number. But more importantly, we need to figure out what the right number is. And there's a huge debate in addition to all the brouhaha about climate change. There's a huge debate. Um, led on one side by Nicholas Stern, an economist who thinks that something close to... A British to, economist who yeah, who wrote this famous report about the economic costs and consequences of, of climate change. Exactly. And he thinks that the discount rate should be very low, maybe not 0%, but maybe half of a percent. And then on the other side is... Bill Nordhaus, another famous economist at Yale, who thinks that the discount rate should be much higher. Not 7%. 7% is too high, but, but something in the range of maybe 3 4 5%. And he's written a competing paper that shows that if you use that higher discount rate, that climate change really isn't that big of a deal. One of the really interesting questions about the projects we were talking about before that involve a 500-year time horizon or that involve future generations is that we don't really have any markets for assessing those trade-offs. And so at some point, we have to make a value judgment about what kind of a discount rate will apply that is really a judgment about how much we care about future generations. And a lot of, fundamentally at their core, a lot of the policy judgments we have to make that are long-term judgments are intergenerational, right? We're making a decision about how much we're going to value human lives in the future. How much do we care about them? You, we, have, we don't have a choice about making those decisions because we're, we have to make the decisions, right? The question is, what discount rate will we use? And if we pick a high discount rate, we're basically telling the future inhabitants of the planet, we don't care very much about your life. Right. And although the, the economist environmentalists probably hate the most, Bjorn Lomberg says, you know, well, don't worry about the future because in, in 100 years at current growth rates, the poorest African will be equivalent to today's middle-class Dutchman. So they're, they're, they're going to be a lot richer than us in the future. If you look at us today compared to uh, you know, our grandparents 100 years ago, even in New York City, even if they were middle-class professionals, we're so much better off. That it makes sense not but, to worry but that, about But that doesn't help you if you're assessing something that destroys the world. If you're trying to Fair assess a <laughs> right. $100 trillion cost of of climate change that that effectively dis- kills everyone on the planet. The fact that they had gotten better off over 500 years doesn't really help when you've extinguished them all in in 500 years. So the the tough thing is really to figure out well what discount rate should we use for these kinds of long term calculations? And we don't have a lot of guidance. And we have two of the leading economists in the world who aren't even within a few percent of each other. And we don't have a market that reliably tells us what the discount rate should be. And we can't look inside our own bodies because our own bodies are deceptive and don't show us anything that we could use in making a long-term calculus. They aren't even good at short-term calculus. Have you come up with a number? Well, I I don't have a number, but um, I think the number has to be pretty low. I think the 7% OMB number that's on the books right now is way too high and is leading us to underinvest in infrastructure projects or preventing future hurricanes or protecting us in the future. At minimum, the number should be tied to actual U.S. government borrowing rates. Um, but I would be a lot happier if the number were in the range of 1%, 2 3% than if it were 7%. And so since 0% means we have to put aside $100 trillion, basically um, more than global GDP, more than all the money spent in the world in a given year. And 7% means we have to put aside 20 cents. What is one, two, or three? We're I mean, talking a lot of money. 
under any from calculation zero, yeah. from zero to one, two, three percent. If we believe, as these economists all believe, the thing they disagree about is the discount rate. They agree on these future costs. That we have a huge bill coming. Of trillions yeah. of dollars of, of disaster potentially coming. That uh, based on that assumption, if we're using any kind of a positive discount rate at all, we should be spending a fair amount of money to try to prevent prevent this from happening right now. Billions, trillions, billions easily. Wow, it's so, a lot of money, right? So yeah. the debate really could be a lot easier because we could say, you know what, if we can collectively agree on the interest rate. Let's have that discussion. Let's agree that it's 1% or 2% or 3%. And then let's just do the math. And the math, the number that we come up with from that calculation is going to be so high that we easily should spend more than would be politically feasible, more than you could possibly get through Congress. And then the conversation will end. And, and then it'll all be over and people will say, why, are, why did you talk about discount rates for more than five seconds during an election cycle in any event? <laughs> right. We have other more important things <laughs> right. to discuss. Although it is, you know, it gives... People who are concerned about the environment, something pragmatic to talk about. The discount rate. Well, I mean, as you say, it's one of the most important issues confronting public policy today, which means it definitely won't be discussed in the next three or four months. As always, we'd love to hear your thoughts, questions, comments. Please write to us at planetmoney at npr.org, or you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Spotify. We're all over the internet. I'm Alex Bloomberg. Thanks for listening.